This is the Coin Gamer Podcast, and I'm your host, Fritz Charles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Coin Gamma Podcast, where we aim to demystify cryptocurrency. You know, we're looking to kind of bring some of the leaders in the space. It's a brand new space, so everybody is kind of in, in the stage of learning, and so we want to kind of help drive that home and, and keep everybody informed. One of the big things at the beginning of this year is, is a new tax year. In the U.S., there's been new tax reform driven by the Trump administration. And there's a lot of confusion, right, and around what people need to do with crypto. There's a ton of people that have made, quite, you know, different levels of money in 2017 in their crypto holdings. And there's a lot of confusion as to what to do with it, what to report. April is going to be here before you know it. And so, you know, we want to kind of to create this podcast to help inform folks and, and help people figure out how to strategize ahead of the heavy tax season was going to come before we know it. So to that end, I leveraged my network and, you know, I reached out to Zach McClure. Zach McClure is, is a pretty sharp individual that's in the cryptocurrency space. I'm an active trader. He studied accounting in undergrad, moved on to being an investment banker, became a teacher, did some work in Africa, got his MBA and became a consultant. I'll let him kind of speak a little bit more about his background, but you know, he has a very balanced background, but since being in crypto and even throughout his own career, he's always kind of leveraged his undergrad accounting experience to figure out how to strategize and kind of optimize taxes to make sure that his revenue is maximized in kind of a fair fashion. And one thing that we have to say before we start is that Zach is not a licensed CPA. I'm not a licensed CPA nor a financial advisor. He has accounting and finance experience. I have finance experience. We both trade in cryptocurrency, but it's a new space. It's a space that the IRS has not fully formalized everything yet. So this is just educational advice. This is not official accounting advice. Please, before you do anything, speak to your accountant and run it by your, you know, your official financial advisor. But you know, again, you could bring some of the things you learn in this podcast to that group of individual. To that end, I'll pass to Zach. Zach, can, welcome to the podcast. And can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got into cryptocurrency? Yeah, thanks for the intro there and the shout out. So yeah, my name is Zach McClure and I got into crypto a couple of years ago, just discovered Bitcoin, discovered um, decentralized assets and was super intrigued and you know, a year and a half later now, I'm starting a software as a service to basically help people file their taxes and figure out their tax liability um, who have been investing and trading in the crypto space. Um, I, over the last year and a half or so, as I've been trading, I realized people have no idea that every time you buy something with Bitcoin or buy an altcoin with Bitcoin or Ethereum or Litecoin, that it's actually a taxable event. And it's going to be um, blindsiding a lot of people how much they've made in terms of short-term capital gains, which are obviously taxed at a much higher rate, especially once you've made a lot of money than long-term capital gains. Over the past year, I've been working on figuring out strategies to minimize taxes in 2017. Now 2017 is gone, but um, there are still things you can do, like different accounting methods you can use to file your taxes. and basically you can optimize and minimize the amount of taxes you owe in a legal way by 
you know, using our analysis. And then in 2018, there's a lot of strategizing you can do around harvesting your losses. Um, and like Fritz said, the IRS hasn't issued much guidance, so there's a lot of gray area. And like everything in the crypto space, it's really the Wild West. So there's a lot of opportunity if you can do your homework and figure out the different strategies available to you. Awesome. Awesome. One thing, I mean, our audience is probably going to have varying experience when it comes to um, accounting and accounting uh, terminology. And like, quite frankly, a lot of, you know, this crypto revolution is driven by retail investors. So people like individuals versus people trading through financial advisors and such. So like this, this is, this is like the first time a lot of people have traded on their own. Right. So like other than kind of just checking that box when they join a job and just putting money into kind of a 401k or IRA or what have you. So like they may not know what capital gains means or short term and long term. Can you kind of define that? Yeah, thanks. And please let me know if I ever get too technical. No problem. Um, yeah, if you have invested in stocks at your work in a 401k or an IRA, the taxation on that is quite different because the IRS doesn't really tax gains in those accounts until you pull out the money. But if you're buying crypto and you're not doing it through an IRA, which is pretty tough to do, basically what capital gains are, are if you buy any, any property and it goes up in value and then you sell that property or you exchanged it for something else, like even exchanging Bitcoin for a cup of coffee or if you exchange Bitcoin for Ripple, for example, and that Bitcoin has gone up in value, you have a capital gain equal to the amount that it's gone up in value. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that there's been a lot of buzz about something called a 1031 exchange, not to be too technical, but it's basically a loophole the IRS has for exchanging property that's gone up in value for other property without paying that quote unquote capital gains. And some people have tried to use it to file their taxes and avoid paying taxes on gains in the crypto space. The IRS came out for 2018 and specifically prohibited that. But, you know, back in 2017, 2016, people have tried it, but most likely given what they issued about 2018, they're probably going to go back and deny it. We can get into that later about what taxes you might owe if you've tried to do that or if you're, what you might owe down the road in terms of IRS penalties, IRS interest. Um, but basically there are two types of capital gains, short-term and long-term. Right. And short-term capital gains are just added to your ordinary income. So, you know, if you're making a hundred grand a year, and you live in New York City, you're probably paying somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% marginal tax rate. So at the very top of your income, you're paying 40 cents of every dollar to New York City, New York State, and the federal government. Sure. So you could just add any capital gains on top of that. You're going to be taxed at 40% or even more on anything that you made a capital gain on that you held for less than one year. That's the cutoff between short term and long term. And sure. if you've had if you have, have had your Bitcoin or anything for over a year, the taxes are much, much lower. So they're only fifteen percent or zero percent if you've made if you're below a certain income level. Sure. And then twenty percent at the very highest um, income brackets, plus like a surcharge for Obama not to get from uh, the Obama era, not to get too technical, but basically it's much, much better to have held an asset for over one year. That's the long story short. And um, but a lot of people didn't realize that swapping Bitcoin for other coins is a taxable event. So even all the hodlers out there who have been who haven't sold any of their coins for cash, they probably still have big tax liabilities that they haven't 
they didn't even realize. Yeah, let's let's dig into that. So the way I understood it was, I ha- I I have a uh, my Coinbase account is connected to my Bank of America. So like I I deposit money from Bank of America into my Coinbase account. I buy Bitcoin, and then I um, transfer that Bitcoin to Binance, which is uh, another exchange, and I buy Ripple with it. And between that time, um, you know, Bitcoin had a certain appreciation. I was under the impression that I don't owe anything. I thought only if I was to sell that Bitcoin, you know, in Coinbase or through some other means back to USD, um, that's when I have to pay a tax. Now, what you're telling me is that if I do what I just said, so like buy Bitcoin, um, wait some time, it, it went up, let's say it went up, you know, 10%. Then I go. Then I move it over to another exchange, and I use it to buy Ripple or Ethereum or uh, Monero, whatever coin that I I might have done at the time. On that initial that on that ten ten percent appreciation, even though I didn't transfer that to USD fiat, you're telling me that I have to pay taxes on that ten percent increase. Yeah, that's exactly right. Or you can uh, you can try to claim a ten thirty one exchange, but um, like I said, that's a lot, that's, it seems like the IRS is going to disallow that. And I think it might be more hassle than it's worth to even try, sure, but sure. basically, and the IRS hasn't issued any guidance on this, unfortunately, but, but what I think is most likely going to be their opinion is that, yeah, you owe 10%, you owe capital gains on that 10% of appreciation from the moment you swapped it into ripple. And what's really complicated about that and why token tax is going to be so useful is that when you sell Bitcoin or when you convert Bitcoin into Ripple, you kind of need a US dollar value at that moment for each coin. And the IRS gives you a lot of flexibility as long as you're consistent about what value you use for each of those. So, you know, they, you know, we have pricing for all the coins, for Bitcoin and all the other altcoins um, at the moment of transaction, like at the open, which is midnight. Greenwich time typically or at the close and you can kind of optimize which pricing you use as long as you're consistent across all your trades for figuring out that US dollar value because you know basically if you bought bitcoin for 10,000 and then you had one bitcoin and then it went up in value to 11,000 and you swapped that into ripple so yeah you owe capital gains short term capital gains if you held that bitcoin for less than a year on that $1000 the moment you swap it into Ripple. And, but the problem is the exchanges aren't, they, they're probably not telling you what the US dollar value of it was at that moment. They're just saying you took one Bitcoin and swapped it into a thousand Ripples or 10,000. Right. Yeah, no, no, I mean, that's one of the craziest things because most of these all, um, altcoins don't have a US dollar equivalent and the exchanges that they're on don't have USD. So, um, you're saying even though that doesn't case, as long as you you have kind of a methodology and you're consistent with how you're moving, you're kind of transferring that over to back to USD, then that's kind of a, the best place to start. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's pretty complicated, but basically the burden of proof when you file taxes is on you, so you with the IRS. So you need to say this was the U.S. dollar basis of the asset I sold, and this is the U.S. dollar basis of the asset that I bought, and that way when you sell your Ripple eventually you'll be able to tell the IRS how much you gained or lost. And like, if you can't prove the US dollar basis, 
the IRS can just say, well, the basis is zero then, and you owe a ton more in taxes. And I think you know, a lot of the software out there that people are using to track their, their portfolios, and I've used it, it's, tell, it can't, it's not tracking the basis correctly. And it's telling me that I owe way more in taxes than I actually owe. And, and like when I saw that, and I saw the best-in-class solution were, were making these type of mistakes, I realized there's absolutely a need for token tax, and there's a need for, for tax consultants to help people um, who have been buying and selling crypto. You know, no matter if you made a little bit of money or a ton of money, um, the tax liabilities are much, much higher if the software that you're using is like telling you the wrong basis or, you know, not to get too technical again, but there are different accounting methods you can use, including FIFO, which is first in, first out. Sure. So this is what most accountants recommend, which means like the first Bitcoin you bought, so say I've bought Bitcoin every month for the last 12 months, I bought one Bitcoin each month, and then I transfer two of those Bitcoin to Binance. Sure. Um, and then I buy Ripple with that. Well, the way a FIFO um, accounting method is going to show is it's going to say, oh, the Bitcoin you bought last January for a thousand per Bitcoin, that's now worth ten thousand per Bitcoin. Well, you have a gain of nine thousand dollars. And you know, there, and if you use that method, you also have to use it consistently. So you have to keep using FIFO. And most accountants recommend this because it's simpler for them. And sure. accountants aren't really paid like a percentage of the taxes they saved you. They're just paid to get your taxes done. So that's why our software can go back and look at all of your lots of Bitcoin and figure out what's the optimal accounting treatment you should use across sure. all your trades to minimize the taxes you owe. And it's perfectly legal. And you know, most, most big traders of stocks do, this, do exactly this because you can save so much money in taxes and defer your taxes down the road when you sell the, ass, sell the rest of your assets. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that sense. Let me know if, I, if you need any clarification. No, 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 that's all, that makes a lot of sense. Um, especially yeah. given the volatility of Bitcoin, you know, when Bitcoin was hit Absolutely. almost twenty thousand in December, but then like earlier in the year, um, it was a thousand, three thousand, etc. So, you know, picking your spot um, and kind of optimizing that is gonna is definitely gonna be uh, the way to do it. That being said, you know, like you said, it's more of a deferment. Because eventually, you know, if you're using if you using LIFO and you know using your cost basis closer to twenty thousand um, for you know some of the later transactions you might have done, you know, eventually you're gonna have to um, mm -hmm. you know uh, pay taxes on the three thousand uh, dollar cost basis, I should say. So, um, so yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's, there's kind of a, a, a lot of things to balance. Well, yeah, and absolutely, I think one thing to add to that is. Hopefully you're deferring taxes because in the future you'll sell everything at a gain again. But I think one thing that's kind of crazy to me is like, let's just use, just throwing out numbers. If you were trading crypto in 2017 and you made a million dollars in capital gains, sure. um, you live in New York City, for example, that's going to put you at the top tax bracket. You're going to be paying more than half of that to the various tax collectors. So you owe for 2017, $500,000 to the IRS. And then the thing is, if you're, if you're sitting there right now and all your money is in crypto, thankfully everything hasn't collapsed down or, or anything at the moment. And hopefully it won't for a long time. But if let's say it dropped to zero tomorrow, you still owe the IRS 500,000 for 2017. Now you might not have any assets to pay them. And wow. what's crazy is that you can't carry back losses. You can't like go back and refile your 2017 returns and say, hey, I had a gain of 500000 last year. 
now I have a loss of a million this year and I go back and get my 500,000 back. They don't let you do that. What you can do is carry $3,000 forward every year, but you know, that's over a million dollars, 3,000, you're going to be carrying it forward for, you know, 300 years, more than 300 years. <laughs> that's crazy. So, yeah. So basically, I mean, so there are a lot of people who are taking enormous liability right now, enormous risk right now, and kind of might not even realize it because of that way that the taxation rules work about carrying forward and carrying back. And um, some people are trading under an LLC and think, okay, well, at least businesses can carry back tax losses, but that's also no longer true as of 2018 because of the new tax rules. And you can see there are so many moving parts, which is why, yeah, I mean, I've been, in, I've been really interested in taxes ever since I studied it, you know, 15 years ago. And now, um, finally, this, all this tax knowledge that people have ignored for a while is really useful and valuable. Um, and so we're just trying to help people make the best make the best of a tough situation and really challenging, tricky situation. No, I agree. I agree. So um, what, what about forks? So like, uh, just for the people that are listening, um, I mean, if, if, if you don't know what a fork is, you probably didn't, uh, you didn't, you probably didn't partake in one or have that happen to your holdings. But just to kind of give a brief background, a fork is kind of when you have, uh, you hold one uh, cryptocurrency and then, uh, the crypt part of the population of the cryptocurrency goes and creates another cryptocurrency using the the similar code uh, code base, and then you now own not only the original cryptocurrency but the cryptocurrency that is newly uh, created. It's a little bit complicated, and uh, we'll probably do another episode specifically on that. But one of the biggest things that happened this, last year in twenty seventeen was the uh, the fork between. Uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, and I think that happened uh, r- roughly August. And so, people that held Bitcoin, um, they automatically were holders of Bitcoin Cash. And initially, Bitcoin Cash was trading, um, you know, in the in the hundreds of dollars. But then, eventually, um, fast forward to December, uh, Bitcoin Cash was listed on on uh, Coinbase, and it jumped all the way up past 5,000. Um, and so now you, you now you, at that time people had people that never, that didn't get rid of their Bitcoin cash. They had Bitcoin, which was at that time, uh, over 15,000. And then they had Bitcoin cash that was on, that was over 5,000, at least for, for that short period of time. And so, but they only paid for that initial Bitcoin, but they had both. So what, I mean, Zach, what, how does that work around taxes? Like, what's the cost basis for the Bitcoin Cash if they were to set, they, if they sold at that time? How does that work? Because they didn't they didn't buy it; they just were given it, so to speak. Yeah. So again, another really tricky situation where, unfortunately, the IRS hasn't issued any guidance. Um, there are a lot of different opinions about what you can do, what about how this would be treated. Either kind of like would be treated as a dividend, same if you owned a stock and you got a dividend payment. There's some people that argue that. What I would say is that my recommendation is that Bitcoin Cash being like the most, the largest fork that affected the most people. Um, well, let me, let me start off first by saying when a fork happens and you have the ability to access that new coin, basically it's a new asset that you own. And so theoretically you'd owe income tax on the value of that asset. Now, fortunately, 
almost every fork, when it happens, the value of the asset, you can pretty fairly argue is zero because sure. it hasn't proven that it could work yet. Like there are so many forks occurring that never have any value. So for almost every fork, you, can, you don't actually have to um, declare to the IRS that, that you've gotten income until you actually sell that forked coin okay. um, down the road. And then you'd say the basis of that new coin you got, like if you owned Ethereum, an Ethereum forked into Ethereum Classic, the basis of Ethereum Classic is you could pretty easily argue that it was zero at that moment. You don't have to report anything to the IRS until you sell your Ethereum Classic. And when you sell it, you'd say, okay, my gain was whatever I sold it for minus zero, which is the basis. Sure. Um, so I think, thankfully, that should be pretty easy for most people. And that's definitely the, the, the recommended route I would take because you don't owe any access any taxes today for something that you might not realize until the future until and you know if it goes down or something you don't want to pay taxes on something that then becomes worth zero because again you can't carry it back um bitcoin cash is particularly tricky one because a lot of people didn't get access in their coinbase accounts until months later and the value was much much higher yeah on the moment so what i would say is on the moment of the fork um it's going to be the value and the basis of Bitcoin Cash was much lower. So that's what people should say they're you know, making the basis of their, of their assets so that they don't owe. You know, if you say the basis when it started, when you first got access was $5,000, you're going to be paying taxes on that either as a dividend or as ordinary income. Sure. But you say, and the, you know, some people are saying, okay, the value of Bitcoin Cash at the moment of the fork is zero because it had no proven value, like it, was, it wasn't easily accessible, and the IRS actually has pretty specific rules that for the criteria of what found income is considered income. But the tricky thing about Bitcoin Cash, I think, is that it was trading on futures markets for you know, a couple hundred dollars before the fork, so they could kind of make an argument, well, it did have some value at that moment, and right when the fork happened, Bitcoin did drop a little bit, and then they kind of moved an inverse relationship so they could kind of say well it took value from bitcoin so i think right. you, know, you, know, you know it's funny you say it actually aligns with the uh the comparison to dividends right because like when it when it when if when a stock trades x dividend it usually drops by that the value of the dividend you get and then it kind of recovers after time so i guess you, the, the parallel that would be the kind of parallel uh, on what you're describing right now yeah exactly and i think you know, there are also situations where stocks have spun off where you might have McDonald's spinning off Chipotle or, and they structure it such that it's a non-taxable event for the shareholders and they end up, um, well, McDonald's Chipotle isn't the perfect example, but there are companies that have done that. And so you could also take that argument and basically the basis of whatever you got, the asset you got at that moment is your, is your um, taxable basis for when you eventually sell the new share. So... You know, I think there are a lot of different comparisons and in the stock world, in the securities world, there are not perfect analogies to crypto, which is why it's such a gray area. And I think you should be, um, you know, you should know what your options are for what you can declare and try to, um, and try to pay as little taxes today as you can and defer that ta those taxes into the future. Because who knows, unrealized gains might never become realized gains if the value of something falls. And, you know, I think I'm all for paying taxes, but the way that I, our IRS code is set up, it's just so complicated. It's basically like a game of chess where you need to figure out 
what all of your move, potential moves are, what all of your options are, and be as smart as possible. And it's unfortunate that they've set it up to be such a, such a game that benefits people who can afford accountants. Um, yeah, but it is what it is. And so token tax is trying to democratize that. And, uh, well, at That's least great. in crypto. That's great. I think one of the, I think you you hit a, on a on a pretty good point. I mean, I think whatever you whatever you do um, to the people who are listening. Again, we have to reiterate that we're not um, CPAs um, and we're not you know licensed uh, financial professionals. So this this is considered um, information uh, education, and you can kind of you should check this. You should you should uh, run this by your your tax advisor. That being said. Uh, there's probably not too many tax advisors that have a uh, high level of expertise in this space. So everybody's kind of trying to figure out the way to go. So h- however you, whatever strategy you, you, you use, whatever piece of advice from this podcast that you take, uh, make sure that you save, you save the strategy, you save the paperwork um, because the IRS can audit you, you know, years from now. Um, and, you know, not to scare you, but you just should have everything kind of lined up and you should, you know, it's in 2020, you may not remember exactly the strategy you use. So make sure you kind of have every, all your ducks in a row and kind of everything kind of like lined up so you could kind of refer to it if you do have to, uh, you know, defend yourself or explain anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. Document everything. I mean, I've had personal situations where, um, you know, claiming an education credit or claiming different things and you file your taxes and a year goes by and you think like that was a gray area. I don't know what the, if the IRS is going to agree or not. And then they don't come back for a couple of years, a lot of times. And then they'll say, okay, we disagree with how you did this. You owe, you know, a few hundred dollars of the taxes plus um, three or 4% interest on the money you didn't pay. And, but the thing is, okay, so if that's a small amount of money, it's one thing, but when you're trying to do like a 1031 exchange and say, yeah, I'm not going to pay any taxes and I made a million dollars in capital gains, but it's all deferred because of property exchange. Well, $500,000 accruing 4% interest compounding for a couple of years um, can add up. And a lot of people argue, well, you can make better returns in the crypto market. And then there's also the possibility of IRS penalties if they think you're, you know, you're being too aggressive and, and you're, you're actually just avoiding taxes um, illegally or, and they can charge 20% penalties for that. And, you know, people, some people try to get a fairness opinion letter from an accountant that says like, oh, we're treating this like we're trading a collectible coin for another collectible coin, which the IRS has said is okay for deferring capital gains tax. And, you know, they think that makes them immune to the 20% penalty from the IRS. But um, as far as I can tell, I don't believe that's the case from, from talking to a lot of accountants who have had experience with situations like this. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. That's 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 some awesome advice, um, and yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, I think one of the things is, uh, and when you know, I think people are, you know, to be frank, frustrated with the IRS in the sense that there's no there's no guidance. Um, it, well, there's no clear guidance. I mean, initially, the only piece of paperwork that people have is uh, something from a few years ago when they labeled crypto as as property. Um, but then, you know, new information came out last year, whereas like things are not, you know, it's not the things you could do with real estate. You can't do all that with crypto, uh, in particular, this, um, like kind exchange that you, you know, you, you illustrate to us doesn't fully work in this space. So, you know, it's one of those things where we kind of just have to see what happens. And again, I mean, this is a new space. 
I think people, even people in Washington are trying to learn it and trying to figure it out. There's a lot of, they have to understand how it works before they can even legislate it. So I guess it's probably a good thing that they're taking their time versus kind of doing the wrong thing. Um, but again, you know, I think people, especially the people that were really active in 2017, um, would love to kind of un- get something firm. So at least they know what, which way to go. Um, but, uh, I guess w- let's think about some other scenarios. So some people mine crypto, um, Again, you know, for our listeners, we will definitely do an episode on mining. But, you know, mining is basically where you, uh, you know, at a very a basic explanation is that you have either a computer or some kind of uh, a computation ill system that uh, verifies the transactions that happen on the blockchain. And for that verification, um, you are rewarded cryptocurrency. Um, so you're not when you, you don't get cryptocurrency for by spending dollars or exchanging it for for other crypto, you get cryptocurrency because you are verifying other people's transaction on the blockchain. Um, So it's almost kind of like a, your reward for that. So how does that work? Yeah, I think that one is a little bit more straightforward than um, other situations we talked about. And when you mine crypto and you receive the crypto, the moment you receive the crypto, I think it's just ordinary income. Okay. That would be reported the same as like income you got from your job or like a bonus you got at your job. It's just, um, yeah. And then when, if you're, you know, running a mining company or whatever, and then you receive some coins and then a few months later, because you keep receiving more coins, you want to diversify, you sell those coins for us dollars or whatever, then you'd have capital gain or loss on the value change since you received it and to when you sold it. And uh, when you receive it, if it's worth $300, that's your basis for in the future calculating your your capital gain. Got it. Now, what about your cost? Because obviously, um, with mining, energy is is a huge cost. I mean, a lot of people are doing mining mining in some you know unique ways to kind of get around that or to optimize whether they're using solar energy or they're mm-hmm. you know using it to heat cabins in Vermont. I've heard all type of things, but if they're, there are energy costs, um, what is that something you could write off as a cost or how does that work as well? Yeah, I think a good analogy would be, you know, if you're running a lemonade stand, like if you, any money you receive for selling the lemonade, that's like the value of a crypto, of the crypto you get from mining. And then any costs that you incur, like for, at a lemonade stand, the rent, the buying the lemons, buying the water, those are your costs of goods sold to not to be too technical, but basically, or, you know, filing, creating an LLC, creating a legal structure, paying someone to do your taxes, anyone you've hired. So, you know, most people who are mining, I don't know if they've um, gotten to this level of sophistication or not, but any business, any expenses incurred in seeking out that, those, those mining income chunks um, would be, you'd be able to write off. So like if you bought a computer, you bought a bunch of GPUs and only use that for mining, that would all be an expense that you could use to write off uh, or to like offset any gains you got from mining. And that would be like uh, if you're just one person doing it, you'd file it as a Schedule C on your taxes, like a self, like basically you're self-employed. Um, and there are reasons to actually set up an LLC instead of just doing it on your own as sole proprietor in sure, terms of sure. your if your coins get hacked or stolen, you know, as an individual, long story short, it's not as deductible 
And especially in 2018, it's no longer deductible at all. Whereas if you have a business that you're doing it under, that would be able to count as a regular business expense, just like a lemonade stand buying lemons. So there are a few advantages to doing any, any business like mining as an LLC, under an LLC. Got it. And there's some other things that come with the, uh, the kind of the new Trump uh, tax plan that benefits people that have uh, LLCs or, or especially pass through entities from what I, what I gather. And I think that the tax rate is a little bit different um, for income that comes through that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are a lot of, there's more strategy you can use again, because with an LLC, you can elect to be taxed like a corporation, like the way Apple or Ford or whatever is taxed and you pay corporate taxes and then the profits sit there and they can be paid out to you as the owner as a dividend, or you can still be taxed as a pass-through entity. And then depending on how your business is classified, you could get a 20% deduction. I mean, basically, I don't know, they were trying to simplify the tax code and it's, I think now become more complicated for small business owners. But if you're incorporated as an LLC, basically you have flexibility of how you want to elect to be taxed. So they're, you know, at worst case, you'll be taxed the same as you were before. Best case, there's some opportunity for you to lower your tax bill a little bit by figuring out what the best way to elect to be taxed is. And again, this is the type of thing that, and Token Tax, we can help you with this. This is a more high level service of like, you know, people who have much more complicated taxes other than just sales, gains, transfers, and uh, our purchases and sales of crypto, which is what our automated tool is. And then, you know, there's a lot of strategy that can go into figuring out how you should file your taxes in 2018 based on the new corporate taxation rule. Sure, sure. So uh, you've been mentioning uh, uh, token tax um, over kind of throughout our conversation. Um, from what I gather, it's, it's a tool that kind of could help um, individuals in the space figure out how to best manage this. But can you tell us about it? What, what does it do? How does it work? Is it a website? What, what, how, what is it? Yeah, it's a website. At, uh, you can find it at tokentax.us. And basically, it's just trying to make filing your taxes as simple and easy and lucrative as possible. Um, so basically, the way it works is, for many people who are trading across numerous exchanges, and they're in most exchanges, as you, talk, as you mentioned earlier, you have to trade Bitcoin or another coin into a different altcoin which is a taxable event, which I think people didn't realize. Sure. So there are people with huge tax liabilities that are really difficult to calculate or just complex, even if it's not a large amount. Right. They won't do the right thing and report to the IRS. Like they've been making money. They don't want to take a risk of being like, well, I'm not going to report it. And you know, the IRS can go back a few years for, for um, if you elect one treatment and they disagree with that. But if you, if you avoid your taxes altogether, they can go back forever. And wow. so so that's another reason why, you know, a lot of people, thankfully, are just trying to do the right thing and report, but the IRS hasn't given any guidance of how we should be paying our taxes for the most part. But basically, the way token tax works is you connect all of your exchanges where you're trading, you take your transaction data, analyze it with our accounting algorithms, and figure out what the minimum tax liability would be based on all the cost basis of every coin that you've owned that you've bought and sold throughout the year. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're adding a personal touch on top of it to help you explain, help explain to you exactly what we're doing step by step. And then the outputs can flow right into your TurboTax, your Tax Act, or 
into forms that you can just give to your accountant. So it's very, um, very simple and much easier than going line by line, trying to reconcile the transaction data across all the exchanges. And, and basically, like I said, with the IRS, if you can't prove why the basis of what you swapped is, is what it is, they're just going to say, they're going to disallow and just say, all right, you owe tax on the entire amount of, of Bitcoin that you swapped into this other coin if you can't prove how much you paid for it, um, which is why this should be so valuable for, you, for anyone who, whoever ends up dealing with the IRS down the road, um, which hopefully doesn't happen, but you know, it's, it'll be so nice to have this in your back pocket for when that is the case. Sure. And so you can figure out exactly how much you owe. And, um, and using all the different accounting methods and just take a look and, and uh, you know, minimize your tax liability now. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds incredible. Sounds like something that's yeah. necessary is, is very necessary. Um, and again, it's a, it's a way to kind of, like you say, democratize um, advice in the sense that, you know, the tax code is kind of led is, is, is aimed at people that could kind of afford um, the, uh, the most expensive tax strategists. And so, you know, definitely um, shout out to you for creating something that everybody could use, everybody could kind of access. Um, just to kind of uh, just to kind of shift shift gears a little bit. Are there any? Um, you know, I know you're a trader as well. Um, are there any like crypto projects that you uh, find pretty interesting? Um, coins, obviously. You know, you, we we know you're not part of any um, uh, coins or what have you. Um, so, you know. Uh, invest or not invest at your own risk. Um, but, you know, it's kind of cool to hear what people are excited about. Is there anything you're kind of excited about? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and again, not investment advice, but for my own portfolio, a couple of coins, a couple of altcoins that um, I'm invested in are ZRX, which is just, you know, long story short, a decentralized exchange that I think has a great team actually making progress on having a real product. And then, you know, I'm, for a while, I felt like Ethereum had so much potential. There are so many startups in New York City and people I've interacted with building startups on Ethereum. And then, so in that same vein, I own quite a bit of Ethereum, obviously, but, I'll, but um, I'm also investing in other platforms which are sort of aiming to be uh, like Ethereum, but arguably try to outperform it in terms of or or other things like EOS, 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 um, uh, Neo, Neo, yeah, yeah, got it, got it. No, that's pretty cool, man. Thank you, thank you for that. Awesome. Well, you know, we're 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 uh, recording this towards the end of the day, and you know, Zach, Zach, um, you know, I'm sure you kind of have uh, a lot things to work on, or happy hours to attend, yeah. or both. <laughs> so I, I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, appreciate you taking the time to come and tell us about some of the, you know, various tax strategies and, and lend your expertise to, uh, all of our listeners. Um, and, you know, we're definitely looking forward to, um, you know, checking out your project, um, and using it to, you know, optimize our, our 2017 taxes. Um, before we go, is there, how can people reach out to you? Are you on social media, website, how how can they find you? Well, first, thanks so much for having me on. Um, definitely love Coin Gamma, and uh, everyone who's who's listening to this probably already knows. So, no sense plugging how great it is and and uh, the potential in the space. But yeah, people who want to reach out, um, you can find Token Tax at TokenTax.us. The product should be fully up and running in the next couple of weeks, um, well ahead of tax season, and then. 
for specific questions or anything or complicated tax situation, please reach out to me at Zach at tokentax.us. So just Z-A-C. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter at Zachary.McClure. Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-M-C-C-L-U-R-E. And thank you again so much for giving me the opportunity to come on here. And you know, if any of your listeners have tax complicated tax situations, I'm happy to strategize and, and help them out and, uh, and work with anyone on it. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. And I will, we'll, we'll definitely um, we'll add those links to the show notes. Um, so you kind of just click them and check out um, Zach on, on these various platforms. Um, thanks again. And, you know, until next time, um, you know, continue learning about crypto. Crypto is all about self-empowerment. And so empower yourself with the information, take advantage of this, of, uh, of this revolution. Thanks so much. No problem.